Hello, it's the February DCM podcast. My name is Tom Linnae and this month on the podcast I'm joined by two guests. I'm delighted to be joined by Alex Debenham-Burton, VP Head of Reservation Media at Essence. That's a job title I've never said out loud before. And, Thank God. <laughs> and after her stellar performance on last month's podcast, I'm once again joined by Louise Yule, Business Director on Group M here at DCM. Hello, Tom. Hi. Now, before we get into our chat, uh, it's our regular update on what's been going on in the cinema industry. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania is the latest Marvel film to hit cinemas and in just four days it has already delivered just a smidgen under 800,000 admissions. It looks on course for a total in the region of around two and a half million, if not more, and that with the typical Marvel audience will be double digit 1634 adult TVRs as well. Avatar The Way of Water has been in cinemas for 10 weekends and has to date delivered 5.4 million DCM admissions. It's currently on our film monitor survey, but the first couple of months data suggests that the audience is approximately 44% 16 to 34, which means that to date it has delivered over 19 16 to 34 TVRs. That's a good number, isn't it? That's a very big number. It's a good number. Go cinema. Yeah, go cinema. Yeah, woo! <laughs> go Avatar. Puss in Boots The Last Wish is the latest family hit and is closing in on 2 million admissions. It's going to get well north of that by the end of its run. And over the next month, we've got plenty in cinemas, including Creed 3, which I'm very excited about. Scream 6, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, John Wick Chapter 4, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. If you're looking to reach the 1634 male audience, you probably need to be on screen in March and beyond. And then in April, we've got the Super, Super Mario Brothers movie, which is going to be huge. So let's get on to the real reason we're podcasting today. Welcome, Alex. Hello, Tom. Alex, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I was just going to say, actually, I often get confused with uh, Michael B. Jordan because my physique's very similar to, to his. So just to clarify that I'm not Michael B. Jordan. It's, I mean, and just to let you know, obviously, because this is all this is all audio. Alex looks exactly like Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> exactly, 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 exactly like Michael. Twins. Not like Screech from Saved by the Bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Louise? I'm very wealthy. I'm very excited to be doing this. Yeah, and you were on a podcast last month. I loved it. I'm back. How's this happened? I'm back Good. with a friend. <laughs> yes, I know. And we can have a serious conversation, which is probably as a media first, isn't it? <laughs> we are going to try, so Alex. Tell us about your role at Essence. So, yes, my role at Essence is, as you said, head of reservation media. But what does that mean? So, broadly speaking, I guess it means I'm responsible for the collection of channels that are the non-biddable channels. So the channels we buy on a direct basis. So that will incorporate broadcast TV, VOD, cinema, handily, uh, publishing, audio and the, the digital that we buy on a, on a direct basis. And yeah, broadly speaking, we're, we're responsible. My team are responsible for the planning and the, the buying, the in-channel planning and buying um, of our clients' campaigns, responding to the, the clients' briefs that the, the planners set us and responsible for the planning of that all the way through to the execution, delivering the commercial requirements we have for our clients, the setting the levels of investment that we, we want um, across the media landscape. Um, and generally, yeah, as I say, delivering the campaigns. And my role, as well as that, as overseeing those teams, is um, sort of focus on, on sort of really on our product and making sure that our product is as fit for purpose as it can be, um, that it continues to evolve as, as the media landscape evolves and that we're, as I say, delivering, delivering sort of best in class for our clients, really. And I'd like to give a bit of background on our guest. How did you get into the industry? Well, I fell into it, much like every single person who works in the media industry, I'd probably imagine. I, uh, I originally I wanted to be a, a sports journalist. Uh, a lot of my family are in journalism, and I'm old enough that at the time you you had to have a degree really to get any sort of job. Not which is a bit ridiculous. Thank God for things like apprentice schemes nowadays, which is which is a much better way of of, of recruiting at staff. But yeah, back it back in that day. So I went to university and, and I did English, which my my sort of family who were in journalism said was probably the best degree to do for journalism. 
and then I came out and I realised that actually being a journalist is really, really hard work um, <laughs> and is really not a particularly nice life to start with. My cousin was forever travelling up and down motorways in a car on his own, sleeping on hotel floors because he didn't really have any money. Um, and a friend of mine had got into the media industry and he was working at Universal McCann and told me about it. And it, um, it basically sounded like university, but you got paid for it. So, uh, <laughs> so I went along to uh, a recruitment agency called the Stevens Company, who are no longer around, and... Um, they told me that I'd make a good TV buyer. Um, and then I went along for an interview at Ogilvy & Mather, the network. This is when agencies, incredibly, were still full service. It was right at the end of that. And I got offered cigarettes in my interview. And I smoked in my interview because I thought wow. if I don't smoke, I probably won't get the job. So, <laughs> uh, And that was the era I'm talking about. And, you know, we used to have pub ashtrays on the desk when I started. So I got a job as a TV buyer at the network, which um, six months later actually joined with JWT Media and became the company we now know as Mindshare. And then 20-something years later, here we are on this fine podcast. And in that 20-year career, what would you say is your highlight? <laughs> well, apart from this... Yeah. Until uh, today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. Career highlights. There's, I mean, there's so many to choose from, aren't there? Um, Did you enjoy being a TV buyer? I love being a TV buyer. Um, yeah, I, I think once a TV buyer, still a TV buyer. And, uh, you know, the landscapes change massively. But, um, you know, the death of TV certainly uh, misreported. And, yeah, absolutely love being a TV buyer. And let's say an AV buyer, because that obviously incorporates mm. cinema. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yeah. that's, my, that's my passion and, and always will be, I think. So we'll part the sports journalism till later. In the, in the last few weeks, we've seen the merger, obviously, of two huge Group M agencies. So we've now got Essence Mediacom. I'm guessing this must be a really exciting time for you and your team. Can you tell us a little bit about how you feel, how the team are feeling? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get into it because I could have gone on for hours talking about myself, of course, but I, I worked at Mediacom for, for 17 years after after I, I left Mindshare, which was just form, as I say, and, and then worked there for a long time. So my journey sort of taken me back to, to, to Mediacom, which is which is strange, but it, it's really exciting. Um, I love my time at Mediacom. I've loved my time at Essence. So so the fact that we're sort of bringing the two together is, is, is quite something. It's worth stressing that it's a global merger. Essence and Mediacom have worked together on quite a lot of global pitches, Google, Mars, successfully. But in the UK, we're keeping the businesses separate. So we are Essence Mediacom X, as I think has been widely reported, and, and the old Mediacom is, is Essence Mediacom. So we have two separate leadership teams, two separate P&Ls. But what we do have is, is, is a focus on sort of a shared vision. Uh, we are working together to ensure that, you know, I mentioned earlier about a best-in-class product, you know, bringing the best of what we both bring to the table together and creating quite a compelling proposition there. So I think Mediacom have, have always excelled in sort of consumer insight, effectiveness with their business science team things like that essence being a started off as primarily a digital agency they were google's digital agency and ended up becoming a full service media agency when we joined from maxis that was their kind of route which is sort of the reverse you tend to have media agencies started off doing offline and then as the internet got invented tried to become sort of digital agencies so essence have got quite a a usp in in that respect and that brings kind of a wealth of expertise in data strategy in tech in analytics so you know bringing the two together what essence old essence brought and what old mediacom brought plus the sort of global network that mediacom have i think you know is a very compelling proposition and yeah as a result the team are, are very very excited about that yeah, I bet. And you talk about a shared vision just there. Um, and I've seen that obviously as part of the merger, the agency talks about wanting to deliver groundbreaking work this year. What would that look like to you from a cinema perspective? We're in a very complicated media landscape. But I think sometimes we always try and overcomplicate stuff. And, uh, you know, the best ideas are always the simple ideas generally in any in any sort of walk of life or, or business. And I think cinema is such a great channel that, you know, you talk about 
simplicity where, where creative and media come together that brings the best ideas and, and sort of gives the best sort of demonstration of, of of good work of great work of groundbreaking work and I think you know we saw that with the the BT ad that mm. we were fortunate enough to win a, a DCM award um, go on just BT go on go on BT <laughs> I know you're happy about that but yeah. yeah I can't take any credit for that but I'll take credit because it's obviously came from the team and, and the great planners we've got as well but yeah you know that was a great example because it, it played on the strengths of cinema you know it the relevance of broadband in in the, the sort of the, the cinema in the production the distribution of cinema and and the sort of uh, the experience of, of the audience wanting to sort of have a a, a high quality um, experience in terms of the visual um, um, it played on on that, and that was the strength. And I think you know any kind of ad which utilizes the environment that it's in, so uses kind of the the, the strengths of cinema, and that resonates more with the audience as a result, um, is is fantastic and creates the you know the biggest sort of impression. I did see an ad a few years back for Paco Rabanne during Infinity War, um, which I think you created idents with the Avengers talent in there. And, you know, again, you know, that, that really resonates with an audience because everyone's there to watch Infinity War as fans of, you know, the Avengers, the Marvel Universe. So if you've kind of got that, you know, the impact that that, that can have um, is, 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 is tenfold. Yeah, absolutely. That Paco Rabanne one was brilliant. I remember that. So how important would you say that cinema is as a channel to Essence Mediacom and your clients? Incredibly important. Incredibly important. I mean, I'm delighted once COVID ended, we, you know, cinemas opened up again. We were, we were straight back on, uh, as you know, which, which, you know, shows how important it was to us. We weren't sort of waiting to see. We, you know, we, we know as a, as a channel how important it is. And I think that's the point. I think for a long time, you know, I talked about, you know, I've worked in the industry quite a long time. Obviously, you're going to say I don't look old enough. That's coming at some point. (laughs) But um, I think a lot of agencies and and sort of approaches to cinema used to be cinema being sort of the incremental bit. If you had a bit of spare budget, you might throw it at cinema. Mm. Um, You know, look at it as, oh, as I say, how we can build a bit of reach on top of your AV plan. But I think that's a very sort of dated concept. And when you look at the products that, that cinema is now, you know, you go back however many years ago, I remember when, Actually, Charlie Yates at MediaCom was was doing cinema, but he he sort of the family film packs. I think he sent around, and the, and the family film started to really grow. I don't, I can't remember if it was with the sort of advent of Pixar and and things like that. And then lately, you've got sort of Disney with uh, buying Marvel and sort of that whole approach with, as I say, the Marvel comic universe. And you know the box office numbers, the production values, the the quality of the films you're you're seeing. So you know, as a channel. Plus, when you add in the fact that it's a captive audience and, you know, all, all of the sort of amazing things that cinema brings, you know, in terms of levels of attention and things like that, it is so good at driving, you know, key brand metrics, awareness, consideration, purchase intent, etc. So it should never be considered something as incremental. You know, often, I'm pleased to say, at Essence, we've devised campaigns where it's been central to our plan, the BT1, you know, mm-hmm. being an example. And, yeah. you know, there's others, Airbnb of late. So, so yeah, it's, it's incredibly important to, to us, uh, to our clients. And I think, really interestingly, actually, I saw, I read an article about Air, which is the Michael Jordan, not Michael B. Jordan, Michael Jordan. <laughs> well, I'm obsessed with Michael Jordan. But um, about how Amazon are actually releasing that. It's an Amazon production, but they're releasing it in the cinema first. And we went to see Matilda, the DCM private screening. So thanks again for, thanks for, for that. Thanks for coming. But that was, a, it was a pleasure. But yeah, I mean, that was a, that's a Netflix production. And again, that being released in cinema. So it's obvious when you talk about importance to Essence, Mediacom and the clients. It's obviously important to the streaming services. And what's curious about that is, talks about the death of tv articles which are just boring 
you know, there are a lot of articles around streaming is going to cause the death of cinema, which is quite curious to now see that the, the streaming services are now realising the power of cinema and how important that could be in driving their business. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if, if that carries on. And they're some of the biggest advertisers on screen as well, the streamers. So they, they clearly see the power of it as a, a media show. 100%. So in the last podcast, I spoke about some of the challenges that clients in the industry are facing, um, specifically the digital transformation and how this has grown the wider market. Can you elaborate on this? I suppose there's a couple of things to take out there. I think from a from a business point of view, if you think about the ubiquitous internet, I guess, and connectivity, it's kind of changed the fabric of, of how we shop. You know, you have so many brands that are direct-to-consumer brands. I mean, we launched one, Peloton, some some years ago at, at Essence. You know, there's no longer a, a reliance on having a retail presence to, to be a business. And, you know, you look at every sort of category and, and every sort of spender in, in, the, in the market, you know, so many of those sort of are direct-to-consumer brands. And you look at the death of the high street, things like that. But if you take someone, you know, a, a big sort of retail brand historically like L'Oreal, pre-COVID, most of their business came from high street sales. Post-COVID, a huge proportion of their sales are now via the internet and from an e-commerce perspective. And basically what that means is that in turn has created a huge amount of customer data that they've now got access to. And as I say about sort of direct-to-consumer brands, a lot of brands have got huge amounts of data. So when you sort of marry that up with the sort of digital transformation that's happening in the media landscape, again, that's quite a, a powerful and, and interesting dynamic where you've got a lot of data on the client side about their customers and you've got the ability within the media landscape now to, to utilise channels in a way that you could never before. So, you know, you can utilise this first-party data in a way you can never before. So you can match that data, you can negatively target that data. You know, TVs, I think 70% of homes, 75% of homes have got a connected smart TV. So you can overlay third-party data. So, you know, what, what the internet has done, it's, it's revolutionised media. In fact, it's, it's growing channels. And, you know, the point you made about how it sort of, you know, changed the dynamic. In, you know, a lot of brands that could never advertise before, mainly because if you wanted to advertise on TV as an example, you know, the volume of spend you would have needed would have been huge to achieve any cut through. Plus the audience you were going to reach is generally quite a broad audience. But actually now what that, that sort of digital revolution's done, it's enabled you know, clients with niche audiences to spend and you don't have to spend huge amounts of money. You know, even though the cost per thousands might be high if you've got a niche audience, the actual capital cost of your campaign doesn't actually have to be that high. So, so yeah, it's, it's really supercharged the market and that's why you're seeing, you know, the markets like the TV market grow exponentially as a result of that. So I'm getting the impression that uh, data is really key at the moment. So are you seeing a real focus on measurement at Essence at the moment? Y- yes. I mean, I, to be honest, as I say, Essence... Essence were always a digital agency and what comes with that comes, you know, a a sort of uh, a real focus on measurement. So that's really always been kind of part of old Essence, if you like, Um, Essence's DNA. So when we joined actually from Maxis, that was one of the things we were really keen to do is kind of take that sort of that sort of measurement approach and ensure that we were we were sort of carrying that on into into offline channels. You know, we, we've been working on a, I've been working on a project utilising a third party measurement company called Audience Project um, from a video perspective to help us measure and join some of the dots because obviously there's so many different fragmented video channels. So they've helped with that. But yeah, we, we, we're really using as much data as we can, looking at how we can equalise impressions. You know, I talked about cinema and you talk about attention metrics and, you know, you've got all these different sort of quality metrics, which you need to take into account when building a video plan. So we kind of take a, an overall AV approach 
approach and, and make sure we understand the importance of each video channel, the cost of it, but not just the cost, the value of it. And the value of that is linked to the quality of the impression. As I say, I talked about cinema and, you know, a captive audience and the quality of the, the ads that you're seeing and the sort of obviously the view through rates and all these things we sort of we always judge sort of digital channels with, you know, taking those kind of things and bringing that out into into the sort of the whole video landscape is is key. So, you know, that's one of the things we're working on with Mediacom at the minute as well. You know how we sort of build that out because they've got a very similar approach. So as Essence Mediacom, we're kind of going carrying on that sort of one AV approach. That, that product and that's as I say a really interesting space and you know that will continue to evolve as, as we continue to get more data you know more different tech comes out things like that so so yeah so I always speak a lot about BT everyone knows how much we love working on that campaign but what essence cinema campaign are you most proud of obviously you know BT clearly but yeah if, if put that to one side I mentioned Airbnb I, I was really proud of the Airbnb host campaign we ran sort of um, at Christmas because the first week was all about running in sort of premium, high-level impact spots. So we bought a few World Cup spots on, on TV, but we also ran for a, a week in, in Avatar. And, you know, we ran 90s. I think, you know, it's worth saying that cinema is such a great chat. You don't really see long time lengths outside of a few Christmas ads on, on TV. You know, the, the world has gone very much you know, fueled by broadcast VOD and things like that, the, the time lengths generally are sort of less than 30s. YouTube capped the amount of the, the length of the execution you can you can run on a non-skippable basis to 20. Sky sort of follows suit. So cinema is quite unique in the sense of you almost want to run a long ad in the cinema. And if you can have something that's almost feels like it's part of the feature, you know, even better. So, yeah, the fact that we, we ran, you know, that ad, as I say, as the kind of the launch for the plan, along with some some key TV spots, was fantastic. And I think Airbnb, it's well documented that they've seen huge success because they've gone from what was essentially being a performance client to a brand client. And that has reaped, you know, huge, huge benefits and grown their business massively. And cinema as I say, has got a huge part to play in that sort of thing because of the, the strengths that it, it brings us. Absolutely. So what are your hopes for cinema at Essence this year? I mean, I'm glad to say, I think, you know, we don't have a huge client roster, but we have, you know, few big spending, you know, very, very big clients. And we've, I think we've got all of them spending in cinema now. We have, it's much, brilliant. Which is great. It's so. brilliant. Well done, us. <laughs> um, you know, I think I mentioned Paco Rabanne earlier. You know, it'd be nice to grow L'Oreal. L'Oreal have, have have spent a long lot of time focusing on on TV, and and we're we're, we're branching out a lot more now. And uh, I think you know L'Oreal starting to spend on cinema. I'm sure they've got so many great brands. They've got so many different businesses that that sort of we're hopefully being able to build on what we've done so far and doing something some really interesting work with them would would be great. Because as I say, we've won an award for BT. We've mm. done some great stuff on Airbnb. Mm. So I'd personally like to see us do some 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 really cool stuff with with l'oreal which hopefully we will this year yeah we'd very much like that as well <laughs> well i was gonna i was gonna ask how important are awards to um yourselves and the brands you work with look i think probably one of the areas that i think if you you know if you speak to our ceo he would openly say we 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 probably haven't put ourselves forward for as many awards as as, as we should have done i think you know in terms of pr and marketing we're, we're kind of focused on on that this year, I mean, God, if this is the f first attempt at that, I'll send my apologies to my CEO. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, awards are awards are great. I mean, we're interested in doing great work, and if you know awards come with that, then then all the better. We've done very very well historically in digital stuff. So search performance awards, we absolutely cleaned up last year. So personally, for me, who specialising obviously in in sort of other channels, I'd like us to to certainly win some more awards. And I think you know we've done a lot of great work, and and we will continue to do great work. So I'm sure that will naturally that will naturally happen. Yeah. 
Okay, and you mentioned seeing Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical at the DCM screening. Have you seen any other films recently? I watched Wakanda last week because I hadn't actually got to the cinema to see it, so I'm uh, sorry to say that, not to contradict my earlier point, but, um, you know, big fan of the cinema, by the way, so let's, <laughs> let's, let's clarify that. But I've got to say I'm really looking forward, and I make no apologies to say this, I'm looking forward to seeing the Barbie movie because... Yes. I, the, the sort of the, the bits in Toy Story with Barbie and Ken, obviously I know it's not the same thing, but are so funny and there's so much scope for that to be funny. And yeah, I mean, Margot Robbie's in it as well, so you can't really complain there, but apparently Ryan Gosling is hilarious. So I'm a big comedy fan. So yeah, I can't I can't wait for that. I should have probably said something really cere- cerebral like, Oppenheimer or something, right? Out the uh, same day as Barbie. Oh, right, fine. Or maybe I'll catch both in the same day. (laughs) Chalk and cheese. It's funny because Barbie has really been a hot property for us, hasn't it, Lou? Yeah, there's so much conversation. There's a lot of excited people in the office for Barbie. When we do trailer sessions, it's the one that gets the most interest, the most excitement. So you're not on your own. Oh, that's good. At all. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Yeah, and it's an interesting audience as well because you would think it will probably play well with that family audience, but... The casting and everything surrounding it and the fact it's directed by Greta Gerwig, who's made very good films in the past, like Little Women and Lady Bird. It feels like everyone who is sort of our age and sort of (laughs) 20 years younger knows this film is coming (laughs) out and is very keen to see it. So whilst people might be thinking of it in terms of a family film, I think it's probably 16, 34, even 25 to 44 as well. Yeah. Can I ask you the same question? Am I allowed to ask you yeah, questions? Of course, is, that, you is, ask. That, is that all right? Oh, yeah, of course. Spot now. <laughs> so, Louise, are there any uh, films that you're looking forward to seeing uh, later on this year? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, because I love Spider-Man. The first one was brilliant, uh, best animated film of all time, and it allows me to put my Spider-Man outfit on again to watch the film. Who's your sp- favourite Spider-Man? Tom Holland, obviously. Oh, sorry. <laughs> is there anyone better? <laughs> no. No. Well, I would say that in Spider-Man No Way Home, I thought Andrew Garfield was the best. No. <laughs> but he's clearly not in the best films. I didn't realise Andrew, Andrew Garfield, Garfield wasn't American is too tall. until... Uh, oh, right. He's too tall to be Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man's meant to be a young pup, and that's why Tom Holland is so good at it. Alex, were you not aware of Lou's Spider-Man obsession? Weirdly, no. I'm aware of a lot of her obsessions, <laughs> most of which we can't talk about. But she, has, she has two cinematic obsessions there, Spider-Man and Cars, as in the Pixar film Cars. Oh, right, right, yeah, fine. Not yeah. classic card. No. Lou, no. we've got lunch this week. Will you come to lunch dressed as Spider-Man? If you come dressed as Barbie. Oh. <laughs> Deal. De- Should we shake? Yes. <laughs> what, what else are you looking forward to, Lou? The Little Mermaid. I'm, li- I'm really looking forward to The Little Mermaid, which is out on the 25th of May. 26th of May. 26th of May. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I do love a that. live action. I love The Lion King. Jungle Book, I've got to say. Christopher Walken, Jungle Book. Yeah, any King of those live-action Disney films. Yeah. They've all been brilliant. I'm the same as you. I love The Lion King. Um, and Little Mermaid looks absolutely brilliant. And again, when we show the <laughs> tree... Really, real, real high intellect here. I know, it? yeah. <laughs> but also, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy as Ursula the Sea Witch, I just think that's perfect Oh, yeah, that casting. is spot on that's as well, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it's probably worth mentioning, this is the first of those sort of animations turned live action that Disney have released post-Covid and pre-Covid so in 2019 they released three one of which was The Lion King which did 8 million DCM admissions which I think makes it the fourth biggest film since I've been at DCM Aladdin which wasn't even that good a film did 4.5 million DCM admissions and Dumbo was big as well these films were huge see I I, again I loved Aladdin I absolutely loved that again maybe it's my kids but I I love I thought Will Smith was I mean you Sorry, are we allowed to talk about Will Smith? Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I rewatched it over Christmas because it was on BBC, I think on like Boxing Day or yeah. something and I rewatched it. Yeah, well. it's great. But, and they said those films, uh, again, like Barbie, 
don't think of The Little Mermaid as a family film because I think the core core audience for that is people who saw the original as they were growing up. You know, I think the original came out like 1989 or something. Is it an 18? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> oh, then that's that's the director's cut. I imagine it. Will, oh, yeah. I imagine it will be a PG. Ursula okay. the Sea Witch doesn't get that angry. But. Can I also just give a shout out to Indiana Jones as well? I'm really looking forward to Is that. Is he still going? He's he still be. going, and everyone loves him. So I think he was recently voted the the best movie hero of all time, right, Tom? What Indiana Jones? Indiana yeah, Jones. Can, I mean, that's yeah. a given. I think. I, mm, I don't know. Who, 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 who else? I mean, to be fair. If you were going somewhere else, you'd probably go Han Solo, wouldn't you? And either both well, yeah, Harrison well, Ford. All right, just because you're obsessed with Harrison Ford. Yeah, well, I love Harrison Ford. <laughs> I do love. He's 80. Well, that's my point, you know. He's, he's, he's getting on a bit, isn't he, to be mm. cracking his whip about. Mm. But, you know, my mum's 80 this year, so maybe I shouldn't say that. Yeah, know. well, my stepdad's 80 this year, and oh. he's not going to be starring in any films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure he can get to the cinema, <laughs> let, 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 let star on any of the films. But anyway, let's wrap it up there. So uh, thanks for joining me, Alex. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thank you, ADB. Thank you, Louise. Thank you, Louise. I'll be back next month. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.